This empty chair represents the addict who died today, not knowing recovery was possible. Hi everyone, welcome to this evening on the empty chair. I have two amazing guests with me. Ladies, don't hate, but I got a whole lot of handsomeness in this room tonight. I even have Lou back there. This is three men. Like, ladies, oh, thank you. check it out. Glad to be included. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just so grateful to be here um, with these two. There's just so much um, that they have overcome, so much they've done with their lives and who they are today. And it's just um, such an amazing show um, that I'm actually jumping right into it. I don't really have any events that I know of that are coming up. Do you guys know of any events this coming week in mm. regards to anything on Zoom or anything? No. Typically at the beginning of the show, I'll do an update. If um, I know RCA does a lot on weekends, so you might want to check out Recovery Centers of America on their website to see if they have any trainings going on this weekend. I also know more had something on, but it was on for tonight, so I couldn't um, have people go to that as well. It was just COVID updates, I think. So, welcome. It is so cool to be here with you guys. I am honored and privileged to be in your presence. Um, and your stories are very powerful. And if there's anyone out there listening tonight, like whether you're an addict or not, you're, you're going to be moved by these uh, these two men's stories of um, how they overcame and how they're redeemed and, and what they're doing today. So um, whoever wants to go first, I don't know. My man. My yeah. Mentor, my okay. Mentor the mentor goes first. So just share your experience, strength, and hope and um, tell what you want. Don't, this is a very authentic show. As we're rolling, we'll have people um, writing comments. And if you can see in the right-hand side, if there's anything to comment to, let us know. And also, at any time, you folks can call in at 978-659-0072. Um, so tell us a little about you. Like awesome. All of a sudden, you just didn't wake up and say, I want to be an addict. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> right? Uh, Cole, thank you, first of all, for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. I've known you for a while. I have nothing but respect and admiration for you, the, the, the work you do. I... Um, I've gone to a few trainings, a few events, and, and there you are. You, are, you, you know, you're, you're very involved in the community, and I, I respect you for that, and I thank you for thank doing you. what you do. Um, so, yeah, I'm a, uh, just a grateful um, a recovering addict who um, I, I shouldn't be here. I should be dead with the stunts that I pulled, uh, but uh, God has been good to me. God has blessed me. I'm a very spiritual person. I grew up in a, in a Christian home. My father was a minister, and... Um, most of my family, my uncles, cousins, uh, they're all, um, you know, uh, Christians and, and very involved with the church. So I think it's always been, um, you know, it's always been, that spirituality, that connection to God has always been in me since since I was a, since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I got involved with uh, drugs and alcohol, experimenting, wanting to be one of the boys, and uh, and got caught up. Basically, I just, you know, I hung out with the and I, I shouldn't even say the wrong crew. Um, I just hung out with some guys who, um, you know, feared nothing. And, uh, you know, they were out there experimenting, and I just went along with them. I've always been the type that will follow for a, for a little bit, and then I'll become the leader. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what I did with these guys. I followed them around for a little while, and then I just, you know, uh, uh, you know basically the leader in whatever they did. So I, I ran around with guys that that stole cars and you know i became this this you know notorious car thief nice um what I year was the car thief those were back on? back in the 80s so uh lawrence was well known for a car theft i'm originally from lawrence yeah. and and so my uncle is joseph welch and well, he was the one who ran the um auto theft squad <laughs> 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 so he probably uh, yeah so he probably knows me um yeah so i i you know back in the 80s um you know i, I got involved with some guys that that, that stole cars and I went out and, uh, you know, just that's what I did. I, I stole cars with them and I started working with some chop shops that bought cars off me. And that's how this all started, wow. you know, with having a lot of money and, and, um, and uh, you know, being, you know, one of the boys. I, you know, then I, I, somebody introduced me to, uh, to cocaine. Yeah. Um, it was cocaine and alcohol for a little while. And then somebody introduced me to uh, Lady Heroin. Yeah. And uh, and that was it. That was the beginning of this nightmare. Um, you know, I, I I think at first I did it as an aphrodisiac. I tried the uh, 
the heroin, um, you know, just, uh, you know, I was going out on dates. Let me try this. One of my buddies told me this is, you know. (laughs) So, yeah. So I I try this and, um, you know, and I think the the, the girl thing went out the window. It was just I fell in love with with the high. It made me um, maybe a different person. It made, you know, I lost fear of everything. And, um, you know, it was just, it was on. Um, Did your family, because you came from the Christian background, like were they trying to do any kind of intervention with you? Like here you are, you were raised with a pastor, which I didn't yeah, know. Yeah. And um, and here I, I'm just gonna go steal cars. How's that, Dad? <laughs> yeah. Well, at first they didn't know that, okay. that that I was doing that, but then I guess you know after a while they pick up. You know he's not working. He quit school. Yep. Um, he has these fancy cars. Where's he getting the money? Yep. Um, and then when the drugs came into the picture, you know, it, it, it was it was a process. At first, you know, they'd see me acting a little funny. Yep. And then, you know, when you're a full-blown addict, then, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're falling apart. Yeah. And so they picked up on that. And, and of course, my, my both my mom and dad um, reached out to me and wanted to help me. Yep. And there were many times where my father... Um, as a matter of fact, the first time I ever got into treatment was in a Christian um, rehab that uh, I'm still connected with. It's in Camden, New Jersey. What's the name of it? The name of the program is My Brother's Keeper. I knew you mm. were going to say yeah. it. Yeah, yes. and I love Brother Miguel Torres. Amen. He's like my spiritual Amen. counselor, uh, my, my spiritual father. And so he, um, he still want my, so my father drove me up there. My father drove me to New Jersey, and that was in 1989. Wow. And uh, that's when I had, um, you know, my first taste of, uh, of recovery. And... and um, and I wake up in and, 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 uh, spirituality and I connected with, with God again. Mm. So at this, my brother's keeper program, I was there for about six months. And then they sent me to what they call, in, uh, that was the induction center. Then mm. there was a second phase called uh, Teen Challenge. Yep. So I went to Teen Challenge uh, a training center uh, in Reversburg, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And so it was called, God, it's still, it's called God's Mountain. And that's where I ended up. And um, yeah, so I, I, you know, life is great. I got clean and, mm-hmm. and everything's great. I come back to Lawrence and um, and and I, I you know uh, disconnected with God, disconnected with that my, my spirituality, put my guard down and uh, and went back to the same thing. Mm-hmm. And make a long story short, once I did that, I got deeper into the drugs. Um, my life spiraled out of control. And December twenty third, nineteen ninety three, was the last time I was arrested. I was shot at by state police. I was. Um, uh, held in Cambridge with no bail, uh, attempted murder against an off-duty uh, state trooper, and that was the, um, that was it. That was the end. Wow. I get uh, I get sentenced to a ten-year prison sentence. I go uh, away to MCI uh, Cedar Junction, uh, Concord, Walpole, Shirley. Um, when I got to prison the first night, uh, I was in Walpole State Prison. It was quarantine. It was there was no movement. Something was going on, and. Uh, uh, my first night there, I hear a guy in the unit yell at someone, and uh, and those that have heard my story, uh, I'm always repeating this and always, you know, saying this. I heard a guy say, "If you continue doing what you've always done, you'll continue getting what you've always gotten." Mm-hmm. And that that quote has been with me ever since. I think I made it my quote. <laughs> and so, Amen. yeah. So I sat in the cell. Uh, I just started a ten-year prison sentence. I had to do four years on the ten. I'm sitting on. I'm sitting in the cell, and, and and I did four years on the ten because it was under the old law. Okay. Um, it's not you no know, now. It's different. But um, so I'm sitting in the cell, and I'm thinking about my parents. I'm thinking about my dad. I'm thinking about my two younger brothers. I'm thinking about my life. And uh, I said I never wanted to be a, a heroin addict. Mm. I grew up in a nice neighborhood in South Lawrence. We were the only Latinos, the only Hispanics that owned a home in this neighborhood. Mm. Um, we had it all. My father never got a parking ticket, never mind an arrest. He was just a decent man. So was my mom. Um, you know, we go camping. We, you know, we ha- I had it all growing up. Yeah. Um, a pool, a, a house with with a pool. Um, you know, I, I was like the best dresser in school. My parents gave me everything. Mm-hmm. And yet I wanted to be, you know, one of the boys. And here I am sitting in Walpole State Prison, yeah. um, broken, not knowing what's going to happen when that cell opens up. And, and I'm in popular, you know, and I'm, and I'm in the, uh, the prison. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I'm in the cell and I hear this gentleman in, in, the, in, the, in the block, in the unit I was in, yell that, yell that, that quote to someone. Mm. And I sat there that night and I kept thinking about, about it and, and saying, you know, if I continue doing what I've been doing, mm-hmm. I'm going to continue getting, you know, what I've been getting. And this is, this is the end result and I have to do something different. I didn't hear God. I didn't, see a, I, didn't, I didn't see a light. I didn't hear a voice. I just know that in this cell, 
I broke down, I started crying, and I was a single cell. And uh, I said, God, if you're up there, if you are if real, real, if you're real, mm -hmm. I'm broken, I'm shattered, I, I can't, I, I, I need help, I don't, I don't want to die. And I said, and I don't want, once that cell opens up, I don't want to connect with anyone in here and pick up more charges. I just want to do my time. I got 10 years to do, and it was like four years. I said, I want to do these four years and get out of here. I don't want to end up doing more time. Yeah. And um, the next morning, I, I come out of the cell, and I had the desire to, to I, I wanted to do something different. And mm. so I, I quickly, you know, I ran into the boys, you know, my boys from Lawrence, Lowell. Um, I, I, when I was active in addiction, I'd go up to Mission Hill in Boston, Tacoma Housing Projects in Worcester, Adams Street in Lowell, you know, <laughs> I'm originally from Lawrence. So I, at, at Nichols Street in Haverhill, like I knew all mm. these spots and that's, you know, I met people from all these areas, but I'm in, I'm in, um, I'm in this prison and I said, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta connect with the right people and I gotta do the right thing. So a bunch of uh, white guys, my Latino friends, you know, they're like, why aren't you hanging with us? And I said, well, you guys ain't, you know, getting involved with recovery, man. I want recovery. Right. I, I, want to, I want to change. So I hooked up with these guys that took me under their wing. There were guys from like uh, um, Cambridge, a couple guys from Lynn, uh, South Boston, guys that were really involved in their recovery. And they said, hey, if you want what we have, you have to do what we do yep. and we'll take you under our wing. And I said, I want this, man. Amen. And so I connected with these guys. I did three and a half years on that four, and all I did was um, work on me. Amen. So you know, I, I I got involved in all types of programming. I, you know, I'm in my cell. I'm reading, you know, the Bible. I'm reading the big book, Grapevine magazines. I'm doing this. I'm doing <laughs> that. I'm just working on me, hanging out with these guys that that were different. Yeah. And so, you know, I made this plan and, and today working in the prison system and, and, and jails and stuff, I'm always telling people you got to make a plan. You got you can't leave prison or, or even treatment, any program without a plan. Yeah. And I'm like, when I get out of prison, I, I need to have these guys waiting for me. This is what I, you know. And again, to make a long story very short, I made that plan. I had people waiting for me. And I get out after doing three plus years and um, the guys welcome me home and this is what you need to do. And uh, I, I, I got... Uh, sidetracked I you know I, I put my guard down yep and I ended up mm. relapsing and uh, now I knew that I had uh, uh, six seven years left on my sentence and I'd have to go back to prison I violated probation they were looking for me I ended up living leaving the the country going to Puerto Rico for the first time to live down there and I'm hiding <laughs> out in the island and uh, and the miracle happened. I got arrested in Puerto Rico. I went to one of the worst prisons that exist in the planet. It's not even there anymore. Wow. And they, uh, I was waiting extradition. They were going to extradite me back to the United States. Yeah. And in the process, because Massachusetts uh, didn't send for me, they released me. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Puerto Rico. And now we have fentanyl down, down here. Up in Puerto Rico, they, they've had uh, the, the special K, the ketamine. Yeah. That's what they cut the heroin with. So I'm hooked on, on ketamine and all this crap, and, and, I'm, and I'm dying in the island. And I decided that I had tried everything under the sun. Nothing seemed to work. I'm just going to take my life. Yeah. I'm mm. just going to end it because uh, this is, you know, I've, I've tried detox. I've tried programs. I went to prison. You know, I've tried everything, and nothing seems to work. A Christian program, I'm going to end it. So I go into this, this apartment, and, um, you know, I, for, for about a week, I prepare myself mentally uh, to commit this act. And my father used to say, if you commit... If you commit uh, a suicide, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. You're going to, you, 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 oh you know, yeah. you, it's done. You, <laughs> yeah, it's, no. So that, I would funny. think, I would think about that. I don't want to go to hell, yeah. but I don't want to live because I feel like I'm living in hell anyway. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I just want to end it. And again, make a long story short, I yeah. lock myself in this bathroom. I'm ready to, to, to end my life. And I don't remember if I was going to hang myself or cut my veins or drink bleach or whatever it was that I was going to do. And, uh. I started crying and I fell to my knees and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. The next thing you know, I wake up, it's three in the morning and I'm feeling the, the, the ketamine because I've, you know, I'm coming off of the drugs or withdrawal. I said, I don't know any detox in the island. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I stayed, I locked myself in this apartment like a caged animal, shitting on myself, throwing up, punching walls. Just it's It was crazy. And I was able to kick one of the nasty, the worst 
drug habits yeah. with no you know no 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 uh, clonidine no liberty yeah. no methadone <laughs> no suboxone cold turkey amen and uh july 5th of 1997 was the last time i stuck a spike in my arm amen, amen. and uh oh and, yeah, and it's and it's been a and it's been a, a journey it's been amen. Um, you know it's been great i got clean and i got connected i wanted to give back i've been in the field for over 22 years yeah and uh god's been good to me amen. god is just he's amazing and um yeah that's my life, you know, my recovery, but yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm blessed. Amen. And that you are, yeah. and you bless others, which is so cool. And it's so funny that you just said that, that, um, your father had said, if you're going to hell, so I was going to commit suicide because I couldn't get sober. <laughs> and I called, um, <clears throat> Mary Queen of Peace Church. And I talked to the priest dancers and I says, Father Jerry, I just need to know if I commit suicide, can my parents have a funeral? Because I really can't <laughs> screw them up like that. And he goes, can you come down and just have lunch with me? And we'll answer that question. Wow. And that's when my ball started to get rolling in regards to, do you think you might need help? And I'm like, mm, no, mm, I just need yeah, to know. Yeah. I, I don't want to upset my mother anymore than she's going to be upset. But can we have a funeral if I, uh, if I commit suicide? So I've never heard anyone else say and you know one of the things that i one of the things that also i i feel god used that night uh to um you know to prevent me from committing this act is uh i I thought about my mother yeah i thought about my mother so much Mm -hmm. i said you know i can't imagine tomorrow when somebody you know gives her the news hey we found louis he's dead yeah and so i kept thinking about my mom and my mom and my mom and i said i can't do this to my mother and i I mean i love my father daily and and respected him but it was just my mom i couldn't get her off my my head Amen. There are angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's why I have her with me today. She lives with me. Amen. Does she really? (laughs) She does. After Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, I um, she was down there alone. I brought her down. So uh, she lives. She lives. She drives me crazy. She drives me crazy. I am. Is she listening tonight? No, no, she's not. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. Yeah, she. uh, Yeah, I love her to death. uh, But yeah, I I have to. I have her uh, living with me because um. Mothers, yeah, mothers are special. Yes, they I mean, are. so are fathers. Yeah. Daryl's a father, and yeah. thank God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, there's something. Yeah, I, that I really believe today that that uh. God had my mothers in my head, and I Amen. wow. She, and then I had lost a sister yeah. in a car accident. She was nine. My only sister, she got hit by a car and died. She was nine years old. So yep. my mother had been through some pain. Right. And I know that, you know, when they give it, I didn't want that. So yeah, that's kind of one of the motivators that, that you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to commit that. Mine was, my grandmother was more important to me than my mom. Um, my grandmother just, really? um, she was my saint. Mm. Um, and I could just, if you told me like, oh, Nana's going to be upset. Like, I yeah, would yeah, straight, yeah. oh, yeah, all right, all right. Okay, we got this. And uh, But the other thing that you mentioned that I thought was very interesting was that you detox yourself yeah. without anything. Nothing. And you've been sober since then. And I went into treatment in uh, October 16th, 1987 is my sobriety date. But I went into treatment in um, June for the mm. month in Salem, Mass. And they tried to give me medication. And I said, I don't want anything. I want to remember this because I really think if you pussyfoot this yeah, way, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to learn. Yeah. And I did a detox without taking any medication and it was the worst so that's yeah. why i laugh when people oh i don't want to go what, <laughs> what do they give for a cocktail know, what, like know, what what hospital can i go to yeah. to get this and i'm like shake rattle and roll you yeah. know because you'll never forget it i'll never forget it and, it was awful yeah and I, I think with me i mean if i would if if the librium had been about around the, the suboxone the yeah. methadone i yeah. probably would have yes. but i think it was uh, i was so desperate yeah i was so desperate Amen. that i i had it was either stop this day yeah. or die and yeah. i didn't want to die right so i you know that that's it and the detox is horrible probably oh my god the worst i was coming off of of, of uh, heroin cocaine the alcohol and and the special k the ketamine that they so were putting I didn't in the heroin special k was back oh back there. in those yeah yeah i did not know that they, in puerto rico they call it horse tranquilizer <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the ketamine. Right? Yeah, and it, it's right. it's yeah, it's big down there. I mean, now I think fentanyl's also down there. So, yep. but back then that's what it was. It was special care, the ketamine, and anyway. very very powerful stuff. So no doubt. Yeah, and you survived, and you are helping thousands and thousands of yeah. people, and just by being God's hands and feet out oh, into yeah. this dark world, like we need to shed His light, and that's all I ever see you doing. Yeah. And I've never heard your story, and I was getting emotional listening to you. Like, I was going to not, like, lean on you, stop bawling my eyes out, just blow your mind. But very powerful story, my friend. And, uh, wow, like, thank you. Thank you for sharing it. I give back because it was freely given to me, and I never thought I could make it. I never thought I could get out of of that 
life and uh so that's why i do what i do today yeah and you're offering hope yeah. to thousands yeah. of people because um and that's what it's all about sometimes it just needs right i'm one of I them know. yeah yeah. yeah so tell us how you two got involved with each other oh man again thanks for having us thank you me and louis um louis come to myself <laughs> <laughs> no i'm being locked up um I'm, he's he plays an instrumental part Amen. in me being here. Um, you know, they always seen things in me that I, I didn't see. And when I'd get locked up, he, he'd be at my cell. And that statement, he just said, if you keep doing what you're going to keep doing, what you're doing, you're going to yep. get what you get, that, that thing. Um, and I wasn't ready to hear it. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, I liked it, what he had. I just wasn't ready to hear it. So it's been... A few years now, over the years, and he's consistently, consistently, just um, always there for me. You know what I mean? Always, especially this last, my last one. He, he, I think he went above, and I drove him crazy because he <laughs> thought I was gonna relapse. He just didn't know what was going on. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'll get more into that. But you want me to tell my story? Yeah. Um, love to hear it. Yeah. I'm. My name is like Daryl. Like I said, I'm from Lowell. Um, my story is a little bit different from Louis. Like, is because I didn't have that home. You know, I had a mother who was single, a single single parent, and um, it was seven of us um, in the house. I lived in. I grew up in the projects at a place called Bishop Markham in um, in Lowell. Yep. Um, the environment I grew up in was very toxic, um, dysfunctional. Um, yeah, it, it it seemed to me like I grew up in a hopeless environment. Um, at the age of 10, I, you know, went out on my own, basically. Um, me and a friend of mine um, broke into a store. We were drinking, and you know, I just steal sips of my mother's slits malt liquor and then hide the beers and go outside and, and drink it. And we broke into a store, and um, before, before it closed, we went inside. And, and when they shut it down, we just went shopping and... Um, it was around Christmas time. We bring all the stuff home, break the window, and bring all the stuff at home. My mothers take the stuff, and um, but I grew up in a, in a, in a, in a environment that was, like I said, was hopeless. Didn't have the right information. Yeah. You know, my role models were drug dealers, addicts, pimps, and that was it. Yeah. I really don't know. I don't even remember too many people having a father around. And the male figures were always uh, like nodding on the corners. It was just always, but it, to me, when I started using, it was normal. It wasn't nothing. It was not normal to not use. Yeah. So getting using drugs for me was normal. Going to jail for me was very normal. I mean, actually, I couldn't wait to go to Barica, and then I couldn't wait to go to Walpole because for some yeah, yeah for some yeah. reason, when these guys got out of jail, you see all the women attracted to them, and they were big and healthy, <laughs> and everybody was happy. And I, yeah. you know, you wanted. To, for me, it was like I was groomed, and I was, it was like a rite of passage for me. Yeah. And going to jail wasn't a big thing for me. Um, I started using cocaine at the age of thirteen, um, having fun sniffing and and just hanging with the older crowd. I always hung with people that were a little bit older than me. me and um, started with the cocaine and the drinking, the weed. And like Louis said, I fell in love with cocaine. For some reason, it did something to me that nothing else in life, mm -hmm. I can handle life with it, you know, I, you know, I thought. So I started with the cocaine at a very young age. Um, didn't know I was an addict. Started doing crime. You know, to get more drugs. You know, the older guys would send me to do crime, to do stuff, and and I'd come back into the neighborhood and we'd sell it, pond it, and we'd just sit out in the park and and get high. And um, at 14, they um had committed so many crimes. I mean, my parents was at 10. At 14, the city of Lowell um didn't want me in in city of Lowell no more, so they sent me out. Where? where? <laughs> yeah, <the pond> <laughs> Right, so they sent me to Maine, right? I go to Maine, yeah. and um, right, I'm like, I'm in Maine, so I go to Maine, which was a culture shock. I was the only black person in this whole town, went through Maine, in the school, I, in, the, in the program that I was in, and I go to Maine and um, went to a place called Bethany, because it was a Christian school, and um, it, it was tragedy. That's when some tragedy started um, occurring with being raped. The guy, one of the guys that were... Um, 
he had graduated from there, and he's been, he stayed there. Guy, um, he started raping, raping all of us, taking us into his bedroom at night and, and raping us. So I started complaining like around when I was like 15 and a half or something. And um, the DYS, the Department of Youth Services, wasn't listening to me. So I had a friend, um, Dana, he was um, the white kid in school. He was a track star, basketball star. And um, he used to, I used to go to his house and I told him and he told his parents. Amen. And that's when these, you know, they came up and snatched me up out of there. And they brought me straight to, um, not to Lowell, they brought me to a, um, a foster home in Mattapan. Yep. So I moved to all white town, to all blacks, right on the yep. street, all blacks, right? Yep. And I grew up low and low was very diverse. So, yeah. And so I'm in Mattapan and the people that I live with uh, are making me do, you know, clean up everything, clean up the dog poop. They had these two dogs and just making me do these things. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want to do that stuff. I started hanging with some of the people on the corner, um, on, on the street. And I started seeing this girl and um, me and her brother ended up getting cool. And there comes the cocaine again, right? I started doing cocaine. Um, I ran away from there and went back to Lowell and my life went down from there. Yeah. You know, I, I'm back in Lowell, I'm in the streets, I'm not really staying home anymore. I'm just running the streets, getting high, puts a needle in my arm, and um, that's what it's been for 40 years. Yeah. You know, um, You look like you're 40. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, but that's what it's been like for 40 years. And for a long time, like I said, it was, it was cool to me. It was, mm -hmm. Going to jail and getting high it was just cool to me. So when people started, I remember in Walpole, we're sitting there, and the only reason why I went to the meeting, the AA meeting, is because I had friends on the other end, and we could meet and you know, and um, either at AA meetings or a church. The only two places, oh, you know, what I mean? <laughs> that you guys. Could. So I hear these guys, and they're standing up there, and they're talking about, you know, um, alcoholism, addiction, and they're, and they're telling the stuff that they did, and we're sitting back in the. In the back of the um, child, we're clowning him, laughing at him, like would never be that. I would. He's a bomb. He robbed from his mother. He's always <laughs> eating out of the garbage cans, and you know, I mean, all this mess. And I and I said, I'd never be that. Wow. And um, over the years, the progressiveness of this illness, I found myself literally waiting for them to dump the donuts outside of Dunkin' Donuts just so I can have something to eat. Mm -hmm. And I. I've done all that. I robbed for my mother. I robbed. My mother was sick with cancer, you know, dying. And I was, I would go up to her house like this. I was so caught up. I would knock on her door at three, four o'clock in the morning when I couldn't rob anybody else. She became my victim. Right. And I, she'd open the door all the time knowing I was going to rob her. I, I was mm -hmm. coming to take. I wasn't coming to give anything. Right. And she would still open the door and she was dying. And I didn't even, wasn't even thinking about what she was going through yeah. and I would go take her pain medication and I would crush it up and I'd put it in the baggies and I would sell it as dummies so I can get some crack mm. right because that's how that's how bad I remember times crawling on my belly and, and going in her pocketbook and taking the last little money she had mm. you know what I mean um this disease had me and I still couldn't even understand that I was an addict and I'd go to jail and okay. people like Louie they would tell you, you know, this is what's going on, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I fake it. You know what I mean? They say you fake it till you make it. But mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But uh, you can't put a fake solution on a real problem anyways, right? Right. So I would just, I would just like he said, I would go in and I would fake it. I would, you know, um, yeah, 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 let me do this. I need a good time. Or, you know, yeah, tell the parole boy I need these paperwork. I never did the recovery or this process for any reason but to get out quicker to use. Um get out of jail free car. Yeah, I go to the program. I'm tired of going to jail. Maybe I go there so I can get out quick and use. So I go to a program. Two days later, I'm finding, I always find the crack. I don't care where you put me, Brockton, whatever program, I'll find crack like that. You know what I'm saying? So it finds me, right? Yep. So for years, this was that was my process. In and out of jail, getting high, not caring. Um, um, my mom, she was in, um, this is later, years later, she was in um, um, a nursing home. I, you know, this is how many years later. So I goes in to see my mom, and um, I didn't even recognize her. Because when I started using, my mom was this very young, vibrant, beautiful lady, and now she's sitting there like like two minutes from to being dead, yeah. and I didn't recognize her, and it tore me up. I, you know, I went off in the nursing home. They kicked me out. I ran out. 
went to get high. It was just all I ever did was just go get high, you know. Um, I'm sitting up on Western Street, and uh, my sister finds me and tells me my mom has passed away. You know what I mean? Um, you know, that was, that was something that was, that I've never felt before, you know. That was mm -hmm. a person that showed me love no matter what. If I was smelling like shit for after not taking baths for a month, and what, no matter what it was, she she would open the door and she she never has, the love never changed. And when that left, I just felt everything left, and I I think that's when I really um, just gave up mm -hmm. and just went on a, a, a vicious tailspin. I didn't care. Um, going and like I said, going in and out of jail. Um, I met this girl. Um, always a girl well i met <laughs> this is kind of a decent story actually right so no i meet i met this girl in and um usually when i'm out there i've never really um i ran with girls but i think i never really had a girlfriend girlfriend yeah you know what i mean i don't think there's a person on earth that can say she was my girlfriend <laughs> like you know what i mean like yes. because i all i was getting high all my life yeah so if you had drugs or you had a means to get drugs you was my girlfriend for the moment but we wasn't it wasn't nothing really but drugs that glued us together. Yeah. And um, and so it, it started like that with this female. And um, I go to jail and and um, I get a letter under the door and saying, hey, you know, I I really like you and all of that. Right, I'm sitting in jail I'm like, yeah, you know, it never, never happened. Um, she was an addict and um, I got out started getting high, ran into her, and um, finally she ends up pregnant. Mm -hmm. So we're on the streets, and um, she's pregnant. I'm messed up, don't know what to do, right? I'm caught up, and um, by the grace of God, I get, I get arrested. And um, I go to jail, there goes Louie. Again, that might that might do it back again. And that's what they say, you're back again. Like, Are yeah. you in when he's coming in or you're starting to do your community work and go? He's oh. in the community. So, yeah, it, but I mean I had I ran into him on the street but I work working at the jail. Yeah. Yep. So every time he came in I, I would know. <laughs> yeah. So I go down his unit and speak okay. with him or I bring him up to my bring office. Bring him up to the office. Him and um him and Leah, um they would bring me out the coca, they would bring me out D, what are you gonna do? You're gonna do different you're a writer, you got so much going on and I'm like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, you know, I'm not really trying to hit it. I wasn't ready, mm -hmm. and um, I think the last time I went in, she was pregnant and she stayed on the street. I said, yo, I'm done, and um, you know, people didn't believe me. They, the judges, the courts was like, no way. Like I said, I was done, and they were like, here he goes again, right? Because I ran game for years, yeah. right? So no one was, you know, when I said it, no one believed it, and like I was, I did a thing like Louis. I asked God if you were real, you know what I mean? I need help, yeah. and because I, I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? It was a time when I, I wanted to get clean at this time. I didn't know, I had to admit that I didn't know how to get clean. I didn't know how to stay clean. I had no tools, no anything. Mm -hmm. And it came to a place where I had to think, what, you know, what was what, what I'm willing to do? And I think what, what, what kept me inside of my process was I finally admitted that I'm willing to do anything. Amen. You know what I mean? I really yeah. said, I'll do anything. I'll give it 100% because I always go into the process. Mm -hmm. And when I relapse, I say, man, them programs don't work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Your programs don't work. It's, it's the programs don't work. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, not that I'm not working my program. I never looked at it like that. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I would, you know, bash all Good the programs. Good point. <laughs> no, I would bash, no, it's the truth. I would bash all the programs. Yes. So this time she was pregnant. I said, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to do it. And, um. You know, I reached out to God, like Louis said. For me, my foundation is um, God. I, you know, I got NAAA. I've done all that, and I still um, um, partake in it. But my foundation, I, th I think, was God's grace and mercy Amen. that ignited me. You know Amen. what I mean? And that keeps me every every day. I don't think there's any other power that could could help me. You know Amen. what I mean? And so, I every day I wake up, I deal with God, turn it over to God, and it works. Yeah. And I keep doing that same thing, and it works, right? Mm -hmm. So anyways, I go to a program. They let me go to a program. Everybody said, oh, he's going to leave that program. He's he's going to go find his other half out there, and da-da-da-da. And literally, um, I'm in the program, and and I goes out. She's out there, so I said, let me go on the streets. You know, I got to pass. I'm going to go see what she's doing. And 
Louis again. What's up? What are you doing out here? Like, I'm looking at He said, D, man, go just worry about yourself, man. Just, you know. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I go back. And um, it was him and the whole co-op team. There's a, a bunch of people that are very instrumental yeah. in where I am today. I you know, know what I mean? Joe and a few. Yeah, you know, and yeah. yeah, Cheryl, yeah. Gianni, Gianni, all of them. They, they, they're, they're literally instrumental in saving my son's life, saving my girl's life. Yeah. And, um. They really are, you know what I mean? Um, they were there when no one else cared enough for her. Me and her were probably the two worst in Lowell at one time. I mean, imagine she's pregnant and she's using, and I'm out there walking with her while she's pregnant and using and yeah. doing whatever we need to do to get drugs, right? So I go to the program and um, it was the hottest thing I, I ever did. Um, admitting coming to a, a place where, admitting, um, that I was powerless. I didn't understand that. And I think because I always had this false sense of, of power, you know what I mean? All my life, you know, you know, through therapy and this process, I learned everything was based on fear. I had so much fear, you know, being uh, molested and raped at nine years old. The world became unsafe to me at that point. Yeah. Unsafe to me. I used to think when I used to get raped in my, in my own house, and I used to think my mother and my sisters knew about this stuff. Yeah. I literally thought, and I just thought they were against me. Like, like I used to be like, and so my family, not not that they became my enemies, I just didn't, I just felt so, yeah. so alone in this world at that, you know, at that time. So when I look back and look at it, everything I did was based on fear. When mm -hmm. I go rob somebody, it was based because I was afraid not to because I didn't want nobody to think I was heartless and I wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, if they offered me, you know, cocaine, whatever, I would do it because I don't want to be looked at like, you know what I mean? That was a sucker kind of, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I go to the program and um, I, I buckles down. And all the while in the program, you know, she's out there pregnant and the belly's growing. I see her. The belly's growing. I see her out there. And I, and I have to just, you know, keep it moving and make it to a, a meeting and do what I need to do and make it back to the program. She's calling me, come help me. And I'm like, oh, I, you know, I, I have to stay, you know what I mean? I have to stay. And there was a time that I didn't think I would make the program. You know, it was, right. I remember at 12 o'clock, I said, I'll be there. You know, it, it seemed like at that time she really needed me. I says, I'll be there. And I got on my knees and prayed and went to sleep. You know what I mean? That's, I think that's the only reason why I stayed another day. But um, she had the baby while I was in the program, and they took her to jail. So the baby was left in um, BMC and. I asked my director. They they knew and Louis. They all knew what was going on, and I was trying to stay and you know get this baby, you know, get my my son. And so I went to BMC and and um, told him I'm here. You know, my son's upstairs, right? <laughs> and they're looking at me like, yeah, all right. Well, you can't get next to this baby, right? I'm like, what do you mean? You know, that's my son up there. And they're like, well, DCF, mm. you have to get in touch with them. I said, well, I'm not leaving until I see my son. And I only had an eight hour pass. After eight hours, I'd leave and. Came back that Saturday, and like you come back again, and um, I came back again, and um, there was a guy there, and he was like, man, he's you know he was kind of befriending me, and he and he was like, man, you persistent, like, yeah, I just want to see my baby, right? And he said, we'll give you give you an opportunity. So they snuck me upstairs, and I looked, and I see three babies up there. There was two white babies and a black baby, and I seen the black baby, and I'm like, wow, he had a lot of hair and everything, and I was happy. I see, so they snuck me out. And um, it goes back Sunday, and um, they said, you're not going to leave. I said, no, not until I let people know, you know. Um, no, I'm not leaving. I want this child, right? And they said, well, go back to your program. DCF <coughs> is going to come see you, right? Yeah. And, um, and in my mind, you know, I, and I'm looking, and I go back, and I sit there. I'm like, they're not going to kill this baby to me, man. They're going to look at my criminal record. They're gonna, yeah. Somebody's going to say, do you know Daryl Buchanan is, right? <laughs> he doesn't, he, you know, a right. baby, he'll destroy a baby. Don't give him a baby, right? But I, I was persistent. They did come. They found that I was in a program. We talked for a couple of hours, and they left and and said and they came back in 15 minutes from their car, and they said, you know what, we're gonna, um, you know, we put that, you, you know, request that you get this baby if you, you know you stay in there, yeah, and somebody's yeah. coming tomorrow to see you. The the social worker that um, is on that because they were just a week in emergency, and she came man, and we talked and we spent time, and she said, yeah, we're gonna give you this baby. Just finish this program, you can get this baby, and then that just motivated the whole process. Amen. I then look back from there. Um, I graduated that program, and um, I was gonna move into an apartment with the baby, but I don't have no experience raising a kid. I have a 34 year old daughter, 
that, but I wasn't instrumental in her life. You know, actually she was like, she suffered a lot through my addiction, right? In and out of her life, not being there. I did the same thing, um, you know, a disappearing act on her. And um, so I never didn't know how to raise a, a child. And um, so anyways, I said, you know what? They said, why don't you go to a place where you can bring your son and be other families, and, and, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I went to, went to that uh, family uh, program and then my son came and um, it was a beautiful experience, right? I, I graduated that program. Uh, my significant other, like in three months or four months into that process, she got clean. And um, we all joined up together at this program. We all graduated, um, moved out of there, moved into a, a nice place now. Um, life is good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it, was a, it took a lot. It was a lot of therapy. It was a lot of finding, you know, my thinking was wrong. My, my belief system, what I believed about me, what I believed about society um, was wrong. Um, and, it, and like I said, it just took a lot a lot of people and today I work in the field um, just got hired for another job and you know back in low amen uh, I'm, I'm happy and you broke about, the cycle I broke I broke the cycle my son you know and you people tell me cycle. I'm a good father and I and I sit there and I, you know you look like like I, and I yeah. and I am a great father you know what I mean I, I'm a little overprotective. Daryl's story and, and, and his girlfriend, Katie, it's quite, they're quite an amazing story because yeah. when we were working with them, we, yeah. we really wanted to work with, with the girlfriend, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. And and we didn't want Daryl to get involved because we wanted Daryl <laughs> to focus on his recovery. Yeah, exactly. But he hung hung on and, and, and he fought. And, um, you know, there were many, many times when we worried about him and we're yeah. like, hey, what's going to happen with Daryl? Is he going to get caught up? Because she, she was deep, you know, yeah. uh, into it. And... Um, but yeah, it, it's it's quite a story how Daryl got clean, how he played a big part in in his girlfriend's recovery and in their mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. And you know, today they you know they're a great uh, we uh, couple who uh, who's giving back in, so in she, recovery. Yeah, she's working yeah. in the field too with you. Yes, well, she's part of we we she just supports uh, yeah, she supports all, yeah. everything. She, she's 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 one hundred percent down with everything. You know, I met me in a coworker, and because of Louie and them now, reach they do, and they helped us a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of people that helped us, and me and my coworker were sitting, and and, and he he has a heart for this thing, man. He just won an award for for for. Uh, helping you know people in the street and we were talking one day and he's like yeah i want to go through this and, like that. and i'm the type of guy that knows how to kind of like form organizations and stuff like that and i said let's do it then and today we have a thing um he's the founder and i'm the assistant director of uh hey with helping hands and we go around and um we uh buy stuff and you know uh get donations and and we bring them straight to the people in the street. There's a lot of yeah. people that like to give, but they're scared of the to give to those people. Yeah. So I'm that person. You don't want to get. I don't yeah. want you to stop giving. Give it to me. I'll bring them. Yeah. And um, the ironic thing about this story is, like for a long time, I, I um, for a long time, authority bothered me, police, cops, all that stuff bothered me. And me too. Yeah, <laughs> but here's a funny thing, right? Especially this last year, I had another opinion. But um, one of the most one of the most instrumental person people now is a woman um, named Carrie Carrie Rossi Carrie Rossi. Yeah. She's a um, lieutenant at a uh, of a police station, yeah. and she's like amazing. You know her heart as far as helping, and she not only that like helping us with this thing and getting donations, but she's helped to transform my perception of authority Amen. you know what i mean and i tell that all the time and i just a shout out to kara and kelly you know what i mean yes. and ronnie <laughs> yes oh you can say hi to whoever hi kara hi kelly hi ronnie hi all right Robin we Brown. have our um we have our headsets on who do we have on the phone it's beth hey beth hi everyone <laughs> i'm calling because daryl i am also a born and made lowell idiot and i'm just calling to give you a shout out um, all great things come from Lowell. Yes, they do. I'm nice. so proud of you. Um, Louis, you got, you're amazing. The show is amazing tonight, guys, and I just wanted to give you guys a shout-out. Thank you. Why, thank, thank you. you so much. This is pretty amazing. Awesome. It really is. Thank it's you. It's very um, inspiring. It's very moving. And um, thank you for calling in. I appreciate mm. you. You're welcome. Have a good night. God bless, everyone. Thank God you. bless God you, bless. too. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. 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 Awesome. So she's been in getting involved. I brought her down to TMF oh. once, and 
she's been going and donating meals and she did um her father had passed away and uh from issues and uh so she had a dinner <laughs> yeah yeah so she had an, a dinner um for um dedicated to him as right. well mm-hmm. so it's pretty awesome let me tell you one other thing and that um this is how god we talk about how god works um you know, this criminal history I got is, is let me tell you, my criminal history is horrendous. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. It's, it's right. horrendous. But it's only for... Well, you started at 10, so what yeah, do you think? And really, it, you know, it is. It's horrendous. <laughs> and today, you know, I had another friend, um, Cynthia, and she asked me to get me on a board for the Criminal Justice uh, Policy Coalition. And so I'm a board member of that. Amen. You know what I mean? Trying to... You know, make some changes. I mean, just to see how things have changed. I mean, at the, at the end of this, I was empty, hopeless, and all that. And now, mm-hmm. the the change is, is and the opportunities of jobs. I I mean, this last week I had three different job into uh, um, opportunities that was just Showing I mean, for up. a guy that never worked. Yeah, it yeah. just it's, it is amazing. It is getting clean. When you amazing. both tell your stories, does it feel like you're just talking about an actor in a movie that like? From way back, it, it like, do you even yeah. feel like this was you and, and your <laughs> life? Because, like, listening to you guys, yeah, I I think about that all the time. I look back and, you know, it, sometimes I um, I'll wake up like in the middle of the night, and I'll and you know, let's say I have a dream or something, a bad dream, and and I'll start thinking about like my past, and I'm like, like I can't. I think it's a dream. Like I, like working at at the jail. Like I'm walking into all the units sometimes and I'm like, oh, I can't believe that I'm doing this. I, at one time, I was one of them. I was yeah. in those cells, I was locked mm-hmm. up. Right. Um, and yeah, it, it feels like, you know, like would I steal a car? Would I go for a cop chase today? And Maybe. that stuff that I know. <laughs> like, like back, back, you know. I, I still live on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, when you grow up, up, yeah. grow up doing that stuff and like, I look back today, I, I, oh my God, I couldn't, yeah, that's not that's not me. Yeah. But you know, when you're under the influence of, uh, yes. of these substances, they yeah. just take control of your life, and you become Absolutely. I love an animal. Coke. I you still become, love coke. I yeah. just can't use it. Yeah. You know, I miss being a size one. Yeah. You know, headsets again. We got another call. <laughs> and who do we have this time? It's Robin. Go ahead, Robin. Hello, it's Robin. That's my sponsor. <laughs> Hi, Robin. Hi, Robin. Robin, aren't they beautiful? I can stay here all day. I'm extending the show for a few hours. <laughs> I wasn't going to be screaming sponsor, but thanks. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forget anonymity. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I wasn't really all that shy when I was out there, so what the heck, right? I'll yeah. throw my hat in. Um, thank you, guys. Um, really, really fabulous to hear your testimony. And, um, you know, just to be able to uh, sit back and witness, like doing it is one thing, but then witnessing other people doing it mm. is so remarkable. <laughs> and when, when we tell our stories and we hear ourselves speak, you know, what we used to be like and what happened and what we're like now, you know, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. So um, I am prepared. Colleen will give you my phone number at the end of the show. Not on the air, hopefully. <laughs> and address. <laughs> and I have some donations to make to uh, your project that you're doing and the work that you do in, uh, in helping wow. people. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate absolutely. that. Thank you yeah, so absolutely. much. And I'm super excited because I've been praying about it for quite a while. And I popped on tonight, and I'm like, oh, there you are. God was like, here you are, Robin. Here is, here is your answer. So I'll give you my number, and uh, I'd be happy to connect with you guys and make some donations for thank, you, okay? Thank yeah. you so much. God thank bless you. Thank you so much. God thank bless. You. I will talk to you later. God bless. God Love bless. you. Awesome. All right, bye. I want you, I want you guys to note that Katie left a message. Oh my! She did. Yeah, little Daryl is listening, and what she's hearing, Dad. He's hearing Dad, but he doesn't know where he is. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Trying to figure it out. Right. She was a blessing in disguise for me because um, <clears throat> when I was, I got clean and sober and did it my way. I was only doing the one, two, three waltz. Wasn't going anywhere past <laughs> that. And then um, eleven years sober, and I'm suicidal. Mm-hmm. I'm about to commit suicide. Yeah. I'm on a building ready to jump, and um, an intervention happens, and 
they tell me, um, do you ever think of going to big book stuff? Because I said, hey, he's not working anymore. It, it doesn't work. And that was the last one that effing left. I'm screwed. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. They're like, how about big book stuff study? And I says, oh, I hate those people. They're Nazis. They think they know all this stuff. And, uh, and I walked into my first meeting. And prior to that, I used to see Robin around at meetings. <clears throat> and I used to like, oh, I hate her. Who does she think she is? Like, she would just think like she's the cat's meow. Like at meetings. Oh, casual. my perception of her, right? And then she was missing for a while. And then all of a sudden she came back to um, attending meetings. And she had like this piece. And she was speaking. And I'm like, she's smoking weed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Something's yeah. different about her, right? But what she really had was she had God. Mm -hmm. She had a spiritual experience at Big Book Step Study. And, um, and she really caught my eye. And so when I went to my first meeting, it's so funny how God works. Because at that meeting, like it takes sometimes like a bat to make me get something mm -hmm. because whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the woman speaking, she goes, hi, my name is Jane. I was 11 years sober and suicidal and God dropped me in big book step study. Wow. And I floodgates just started wow. and, uh, and she was there and I asked her to be my sponsor and I was so afraid of her. You know, I thought, um, yeah, I was just very afraid of her and for all good reasons. <laughs> and she ended up investing years the greatest gift anyone's ever given me has been time mm -hmm. you know she gave me her time she walked me through this process she took me through my fifth step she made, watched me make my amends and uh and that's why i do what i do because giving someone time is yeah. the best thing that you could ever do what i loved hearing like the three of us say is a true testimony to how amazing god is, is because all three of us said mm -hmm. God, if you're real, I said, God, not only if you're yeah. real, you need to stop this, but you need to show me how to live. Yeah. And I've been living ever since. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how powerful he is, because my goal in high school was to be dead by the age of 18. And, um, and I wanted that written in the yearbook. And they're like, can you come up with something else? <laughs> Maybe you want to do something different. And I was like, okay, but that was seriously my goal. And then I said, all right, then. By 20, I want to be dead, and you know, here I am, 54 years old. He's still yeah, picking, you know. God is good, you know. He's amazing. Oh, That's it. Yes, I don't know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Cynthia, go ahead. Hi, I just wanted to call in and uh, thank all of you for what you do. Uh, certainly, the host and Louie and Daryl. And Daryl, I knew from the minute I set my eyes on you that you were a force to be reckoned with, well, thank and you, you are a good person. Amen. You are incredible, all of you. Um, you. I'm real proud of everyone, and um, I, I do get it, what it's like <laughs> to, you know, um, Daryl's on the board with me, but, yeah. um, you know, I was Amen. behind the wall, and, and I, I get to work in the, in the courts now, and I can remember when I first did, I'm like, oh, my God, the to, to, I'm going to get three click, three click handcuffs. I'm going, I'm going bye-bye again. Amen. <laughs> but, but, but they haven't done it yet. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to call in and just say thank, thank you to all of you for what you do. And God bless thank you. Thank you. Love you thank so you much. so much. Thank you. God bless. All right. Yes. Okay. Take care. We were talking about, right. was talking about the time thing, and you're right, um, It'd be remiss if I didn't mention Mike. He's my sponsor. Yeah. If you seen my sponsor, you wouldn't like. I would never pick him. You know, like go in and say he's my sponsor. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's a white guy, beard. Well, you don't have a beard now, but he's just we're just two different opposite people. But um, if it wasn't for Mike, he's been in my life for like six years, and that's the guy that I talk to every day Amen. for the last three years, and um, keeps me clean. He just moved into my. My my building, we he's right down the hall now. Wow. I talk to him every day. I I haven't talked to anybody besides even even Katie missed a day with me talking. I've never missed a day with him talking. If I don't call him, he'll call me, and he's the one that opened the door for. I mean, he stuck with me. He he didn't he he didn't put up with my my boat. Yeah. He knew when I was calling. He just knew. I mean, I used to go and say, I need money to get this car. Like, I'll see you later. Get out of here. <laughs> he would just, like, would not give me a dime to my addiction or nothing. Yep. I'd drive all the way from low to Marlboro, right? right. Think I would get at least $20. Yeah. Give that me. we just wasted on gas. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he, he, so, and he, but he's, he's like, yep. he's, he's not even my sponsor. He, he's like my brother now. Amen. You know what I mean? And, um, Amen. Yeah, he's given a lot of time. Yeah. Mike's, yeah. Mike's my man. Yeah. I needed to say that because he's... Yeah. It's amazing the the um, the role and the power behind you know people in recovery. 
Yeah. And you said something er earlier about um, just giving you time. Yeah. That's um, deep. People, you know, being there for you. Yeah. Um, and that's what this is all about. I know. Um, you know, I have people that will come by the office or will call me or hit me up on Facebook and, Louie, thank you for this and that. And I feel I haven't done anything for this person. But, you know, just listening to a person and, yeah. um, you know, making a phone call for them and taking them somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just the power that we have. That someone actually um, paid attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's we have another call? Yep. All right. And I see Mark Jordan. Um, he is like, miss you, miss Colin Mathuin. I miss you guys, too. Bring me back. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Wendy's here. Go ahead, Wendy. Um, hi, Cole. It's Wendy. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm excellent. So, you know, I was just moved to call in because, you know, a few years ago when I worked at uh, in Tewksbury there with the Lowell House, I had the pleasure of knowing these two gentlemen and uh, <laughs> in, in a different place. And, and I got to witness the power of their presence in person. Mm. And I wanted them both to know how much good it did for my heart tonight to see them out there still doing it still walking the walk and talking the talk and just growing so much more powerful in god's grace and seeing you know what their determination and the love for for mm -hmm. recovery has brought them mm -hmm. and i just want to thank them both for sharing that with us tonight because man it was so good to see you guys thank you man. thank you wendy <laughs> thank I you appreciate that we still got to do coffee honey Oh, we're doing coffee, girl. Don't you worry. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for calling in. Love you to pieces. I love you too, Mama. Love All right. You. Bye. Bye. Oh, Wendy. Wow. Wendy. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> she, Brent, her husband was is a very one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. Met him in recovery, and uh, and I watched him date on and off and on and off, and rode the roller coaster ride with them of different women. Mm -hmm. And when he met her, I said, that's the one. Like, I, And I met my first time meeting her. I grabbed her, and I said, we've been waiting for you. And wow. she's like, what? And like, she, I'm scaring her already. I'm like, we've been waiting for you. And they have been with each other since. I had the honor and privilege of marrying them two years ago because I'm a wow. JP. Awesome. And, uh, and, and they're just the most beautiful couple. They're actually two people I want on my show as well. Do we have you another call? You come with me one day then. We do? Oh, yes. Oh, you guys. Oh, my goodness. They're lining up. Hello. Gianna's here. Gianna. Hello. Go ahead, Gianna. Hi. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, Gianna. Hey, Gianna. I just wanted to call in. Um, so I got to witness Daryl's story, and Daryl and Katie actually taught me a lot about how to do this work in a, a great <laughs> way. Uh, kind of like Daryl said with his, if you look at his criminal history, it's it's pretty lengthy, right? So Daryl yeah. would be a person that some people would call a lost cause. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was relatively new in the field when I started working with them, and uh, I never heard Daryl's story. So hearing that now, and Louie's been a mentor to me in this mm -hmm. field and kind of taught me how to do the outreach deal, um, you know, they, they are the epitome of why you never give up on anyone. Mm. Yes. Um, you know, everyone deserves that chance, and, and really between Daryl, Katie, and Louie, it's it's changed the way that I personally do my work, and I admire them, and I love working with all of them. And I just wanted to call and say that I love you guys. And uh, Daryl, I never I've known you for a while, but I never heard your story, and uh, it just uh, makes me care about you that much more. Thank you, Th Jana. thank you, Jana. Love you. Love you guys. Thanks for calling you. in. Jana's awesome. She's part of the team. Yeah, and, she is. Yep. Uh, she's grown so much, and she was yeah. new when you was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just an amazing uh, uh, girl with the passion, you know. And and she just connects Amen. with people. She has that gift, and you know. Amen. It's an amazing thing. Katie loves her. Yeah. Katie loves her. I remember yeah. I called from jail and they and I had you guys um go look for Katie. I'm like, can you look yeah. for? Her? She had her at San Charles. Like, Aaron, sure, we got to you know. She, yeah. she, they would, they went above the co-op team. Louis, they went way above and beyond for us. And and like she's right, we were the people that, especially me, like he's just he's not gonna ever get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was supposed to die. And there were there were many times. There were many times that Daryl would sit in my office at the jail, <laughs> and I, and you know, with the same story, and I'm like, Daryl, you gotta get it this time. You gotta get it yeah. this time. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I'd say to my coworker Leo, I said, I don't know. Daryl, like he, he says the right things, and 
and he knows what what he has to do. He just goes out there and he. Yeah. But this last time around, yeah. I remember going down to his cell, and just the look in his face, yeah. he just looked like he was he was beat. And well, I remember going beat. back to my <laughs> office and telling my coworker, I said, I. I Daryl came back and he's really beat this time. Yeah. I, th I think this is it. That was and your yeah, and then I, I, I he wrote wrote me a couple letters because mm -hmm. he wanted to come up and and talk with us and stuff. And I felt that I felt it was different. And mm -hmm. he wasn't talking about getting out. wasn't talking about. He was just talking about recovery. Amen. And and I seen that spirituality too, like that yeah. wake, that spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And and I knew it was on. And I remember telling him a bunch of times. I said, Daryl, as long as you can stay with that because yeah. I've always said the spinal cord of recovery is having that spirituality yes, it is. and if you can have you know if you have that it's all on and I, I used to see that in him yeah. you know this time this last time around and I knew I knew you had it he used to come up all the time he would show up at my program just show up and like yeah hey, what up oh, I just came to see what I'm like <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. and surprise and I'm it's here a blessing. <laughs> you know it's a blessing it is. that's why I go back and do want to do what I yeah. what I do Amen. I think once you have like once God does touch your heart, yes, you can't do nothing else but serve. Amen. What else can you do? Mm. Right? You know those people, and and it ain't even the clothes, and it's just like the hope factor. Yeah. Those people know where who I was out there. Amen. So to see, you know, see the change, and I think that's the best message I got. I don't even have to open my mouth. It's just like he's clean because they'll know whether you've been in jail or not. I mean, yeah. I mean people know, and like he said, our stories is beautiful. We got a brand new daughter five six weeks old mm -hmm. i mean i i never raised a child god i'm 58 god gave me two kids amen and um and i'm doing a hell of a job with his help you know I me mean? with amen. god's help i really am i'm it's a lot of with work God, I yeah but it's like like, I, like right now i'm sitting here but i'm thinking i can't wait to go home and see my son <laughs> and tell him to clean the damn floor i know all his toys <laughs> <are> everywhere <laughs> but i also i know we're running out of time but yeah. i wanted to bring attention to this like you you're an author of yeah. a thousand thugs a gritty street tale um and thank you for bringing this. And yeah, I have one for him, me. too, yeah. Amen. I have one. And, um, and I know you have a second book the coming second out. Book, and when yeah. is that coming out? Um, I'm hoping within the next 60 days. We're hoping okay. um, to get it out. Um, it's called uh, Scars and Broken Pieces. And it just talks about the stuff that you really can't talk about. Yep. A lot of men can't talk about what happened. Yep. Their true story of what happened to me on the streets. Because I, I never really related to what really happened to me. Yeah. You know, what I really did out there. And I can see how... how um, how that how the disease really is man yep. it, it's treacherous yeah you know i would never ever want to do that again so it, that's what that book is about well uh <laughs> right, it again so but if someone wanted to get their hands on these books they can they? go on they can go on um amazon they're on amazon um I'm putting it up. Put your uh, headset on here, oh, my head. <laughs> <laughs> and is this in memory of your beautiful mother? Yeah. Oh, God yeah. bless you. Who yeah. do we have now? Erica's here. Go ahead, Erica. Erica? Hello? Is Miss Erica there? I think we lost her. We did. Well, we're running out of time. Um... <clears throat> this has probably been the most powerful show I've had about redemption, about recovery, about life, about like if you really surrender, what we can actually do. You guys are uh, amazing men of God that I'm mm -hmm. blessed to call brothers in Christ, and, yeah. and I so appreciate you both being here. Yeah. Thank you for my beautiful gift. Yes, hang that up. Yep. And yeah. um, so, if anyone else wanted to give to. Your hay is it it's hay called Haywood Helping Hands. You can, can go I on my put it on here in our thing so it's yeah. always there. Haywoods. H A W H A Y. Ooh, H A Y. What well, Beth should be doing this? <laughs> Haywoods. Helping Hands. Helping Hands. Is there a website? He has a website and he has also have a Facebook. Um, um website and Facebook. Well, shout out to Ronnie for for keeping it real with me, man. He, he um, we started this together, and he's it's his dream. Amen. And I'm, I'm just riding his dream. This is Haywood's is his dream. Amen. Good guy. Yeah. Amen. Thank you very much for Thank that. Thank you. Too. Any last words to someone who's out there that's struggling right now and they're listening to us? Yeah, never give up. You know, there is uh, there is a there is life. Um, you know, after uh, active addiction, um, don't give up. Um, you know. Give yourself a chance. Give yourself an opportunity. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Basically the same thing. Giving for me, surrendering gave it a hundred percent, man. And ask God, ask for God's help. Amen. Really ask for God's help because it does get better. They used to tell me that. 
Yeah. And it ain't even the stuff that we have and we yeah. acquire the cars or whatever in the house. It's that peace. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry about the police. I ain't got to worry about my house. <laughs> my kids are safe. I can come out here. The rent's paid. Yeah. Just that stuff is that security. Right. You know, taking care of people. Simple things. Beautiful. And they're yeah. simple, simple things. things yeah. Yeah. And, and paying the bills and you know, when it, the bills come, I get stressed. But like, oh, I gotta pay them anyway, because my my old me be like, well, maybe I can cut them a little here, a little <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, 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 no, because then it just sets no, us back up. But I look at those you've kids. Change the cycle. I look at those kids. It's like, I can't cut nothing. They're, Amen. They're, they're good. So yeah. Amen. So a thousand thugs, um, Daryl Buchanan, and next is coming up. Scars and broken pieces. Scars and broken pieces. And Lou, as always, thank you for doing an thank amazing you. show thank for us. All our shows are available yeah. on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and always on MVP ASAP. Uh, everyone have a great night. God bless you all and thank you for tuning in tonight to the empty chair. We'll see you in two weeks. God bless. Peace. Thank, yeah. you. thank you. Amen. Thank you.